Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Oh, it's going the worst. Yeah, yeah, you you sound terrible. Yes. Insanely unhappy, bothered. I, I am. Um, just overall terrible mood. It's, I'm, today's a, a pessimistic day for me. Mm, finally, yes. we're on the same page. <laughs> I love it. Do you feel my negative energy? I do. I do. It's, I feel nothing it, conflicting with how I feel on a daily basis right now. So it's you great. feel at home. I, I feel feel good. This is the best friends we've ever been right now. <laughs> this is amazing. This, by the way, Good Morning you're my, Liberty. You're my boy. Go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com if you want to hang out in the live chat and chat back and forth with everyone. Everyone is, uh, I mean, we've been talking for a little bit about stoplights. Is it libertarian to stop at a stoplight? You know, should you just keep going? I don't know. Very, very difficult conversations like that take place every day in the live chat before the show and sometimes after too. So go to that link. It's in the show notes. Click on it. Join for as little as five bucks a month and we can all hang out and be friends together. It's and and it's because today's the winter solstice. For those of you yeah. who don't know, December twenty first. You truly are depressed on winter solstice. The darkest day of the year. Tomorrow, though, is my second favorite day of the year. Yeah. Just so you're aware, I don't know how many people care about this, but I do. So because every day is up from there. Well, yeah. So my favorite day is June twenty first, mm-hmm. which is the summer solstice, and it's because it's the longest day of the year, the most sunlight. I need. The sun. That's my dad's favorite day of the year too. Yes. He's a he's a farmer though, so it so it's it the makes longest a lot of sense. day. That's my first favorite. Tomorrow's my second favorite, only because it, tomorrow starts the trend upwards, mm-hmm. and I like when it's up. You're buying the bounce on the days. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm buying it today. All right. For tomorrow, because it's going longer. Just okay. so you know. Yeah, we do have to look for that MACD shift. If you don't, that means go to mastermytrades.com. Check that out. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. You stay classy. Okay, so a little look bit at of that. And, and you know, the the um, the group is saying I'm supposed to be the shining beacon of hope, and that's why you can't count on people. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm going to have days where I'm not that shining, flickering light in the distance of darkness. You sound like Eeyore right now. Yeah. That's... It's it's sad. I'm going to sound happier than you today. Okay. So we're talking about uh, Let's the do a podcast. Biden administration's plan uh, to pledge 500 million free COVID-19 tests to counter the Omicron variant. The Supreme Court uh, is allowing the Texas abortion thing to go through and Gavin Newsom is very upset about it and he wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post. We'll be talking about that. And then Newsweek has a ridiculous article. Not sure, not sure why, considering he's wishing everybody death. Yeah, I know. Um, we you got know what? I hope everyone dies from <laughs> COVID that's unvaccinated. Over oh, he's break. feeling real bad today. <laughs> real bad. In 2024, is the government going to be overthrown? Newsweek surely thinks that it will. God, I hope so. And... <laughs> <laughs> and the Pentagon is going to be helping with that whole 2024 thing by purging some extremists from the military. So we'll be talking about that I'll here in just a little bit. I'll start popping my popcorn today. He is ready for, for the this. overthrow of the U.S. government. Okay, so first off from AP News, Biden to pledge five. I got to make sure I get my clips, though. My, you got to get your full clips. extended yeah. clips out there. Your thousand round clips 
for sure. Biden is pledging 500 million free COVID-19 tests to counter Omicron from AP News with the Omicron variant on the march. And by the way, one person has died from Omicron in the U.S. I know that you were already scared yesterday, but now it is truly time to panic because someone died from something very specific that people are not supposed to die from. Well, let's not think about all the other stuff that people died from yesterday. I mean, it's like thousands of people died yesterday, but someone died from, from the Omicron variant to COVID-19 and the person allegedly had previously had COVID and was not vaccinated. Okay. Mm. Now Charlie's going to get happy. Like, yeah, see, I told you Pfizer, me and Pfizer told you guys about that. Told you idiots (laughs) out there. Listen to me. Okay. President. Let me me share something from an article I read last night that not, didn't make the stack today. Okay. One, I didn't send it to you. That's why number one reason it did not make the stack. Or send it to your Nate's podcast notes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, But I read an article last night that between the ages of 18 and 45, more uh, people have died from fentanyl overdoses between 20 and 21 than have died from COVID, car wrecks, and something else combined mm. between the ages that's of 18 and 45. So Charlie hears that and he's like, you know, and that's why I have to get the booster right there. <laughs> yeah. That's a, the, the progression right there. <laughs> President... President Joe Biden plans to announce 500 million free rapid tests for Americans. Emphasis on free. It's not going to cost anyone anything because you don't pay taxes. The rich don't pay taxes. Of course, they never pay taxes. But you also apparently don't pay taxes because these rapid tests are free. What do you know? The Binax stock is up today, probably. (laughs) Increased support for hospitals under strain and a redoubling of vaccination and boosting efforts. A cornerstone of the plan is Biden's decision for government to purchase 500 million rapid tests and ship them free to Americans starting in January. What's the worst? Purchase and free in the same sentence. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) The decision for the government to purchase and ship them free in the same <laughs> sentence. It doesn't even matter anymore, yeah. man. You just say whatever you want. Look, Who I'm going to purchase this free candy bar. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's free, but I'm going to bring it to the counter and purchase it. I'm just imagining the ordering process for whatever the government's website's going to be for this. Like fill out form 865 d 7 and fill out all the stuff and provide white. a yeah, provide an accurate uh, photo, a real ID photo on there. And uh, it's just going to be real fun. And the shipping is going to be really great. People will use a new website to order the test, which will then be sent to them by U.S. mail at no charge, the White House said. And early reports indicates it's already crashed. <laughs> it's probably already down. They probably <laughs> spent $500 million on the website. Yeah. It marks a major shift. It was for a free Biden. website, though. Free. It didn't cost anything. For anyone. Yeah. It marks a major shift for Biden, who earlier called for many Americans to purchase the hard to find tests on their own and then seek reimbursement from their health insurance. For the first time, the U.S. government will send free COVID 19 tests directly to Americans. The emphasis on the word free in this article from AP. Free purchase test. After more than a year of urging by public health experts, the federal government will also establish new testing sites and use the Defense Production Act to help manufacture more tests. That's what they need. Because people who create tests have no incentive to to make tests. No. So so there aren't 20 other companies who made tests already that got denied market participation by the FDA. 
strange how that happens. Yeah, so if you want the test to actually be readily available and very cheap, although not free, because you would have to pay something for them, just approve all the people who have already created tests out there, and they'll all be competing with each other at all of these locations, and then they will find whatever the lowest price is that they can sell the test for, and they will have great incentive to produce as many tests as possible because they will be able to make money from it. And so that's a pretty easy situation there that we should have done throughout this entire pandemic. We've been talking about it over and over again, that they need to be doing this testing thing. And now here we are. It is December 2021. We're almost two years in to this whole thing. And now they're saying, oh, you know what's really important? At-home testing for people. That's what's really important. We need to do that. That's what's going to help slow the pandemic. And you know what's strange is this is just a perfect example of how it took the government two years. Yeah. To be like, oh, well, maybe we should test more people. Yeah. Even though it, it, became, it was so difficult to get tests in the beginning. And it's just, well, just more of the same. It's to be expected, folks. It is. What do you expect? Um, and, you know, the White House also wishes your death on Christmas. So <laughs> that is what they're very much with. Just like Charlie, the White House mm-hmm. and Charlie, same, same, yep. hoping everyone dies for Christmas. Everyone. That's what they want. Including myself. All right. Now, Charlie's going to get very happy telling us, uh, reading the words of the great Gavin Newsom, Mm. who has penned an op-ed in the Washington Post about this whole Supreme Court Texas abortion law thing. So from the WAPO here. Thanks, Jeff. The Supreme Court opened the door to legal vigilantism, vigilantism, vigilante, vigilantism, vigilantism, (laughs) vigilantism in Tejas, Texas. California will use the same tool to save lives. (laughs) Now, depending on where you fall down on the abortion argument, save lives. This is going to be a pretty funny contrast. He's marking here because the Texas thing isn't to save lives. You know, Uh, the great words scribed by the holy anointed one, uh, King Gavin Newsom, the king of California. It's so nice when he gives out his words i know we can finally know exactly what he's thinking right now it's outrageous that the supreme court continues to allow texas to use the threat of civil lawsuits to nullify women's constitutional right to control their own bodies but if this kind of lawmaking is fair play then california will at least use this tool to save lives instead of harming them (laughs) that's yeah yeah that's pretty good i totally understand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah That's why this month I called on California's legislature to send me a bill creating a similar way to take action against those who produce or sell assault weapons and ghost guns in California. There are a lot of weapons. Like what's the number of ghost gun deaths out there? It's got to be in the trillions. You wouldn't know because they're ghost guns, I guess. Exactly. And so we got to put a stop to that. And of course, this will just create more of an exodus from his country, (laughs) from his country, (laughs) sure, (laughs) from his country. Yeah, it's already taken place. Some have argued that California should not follow Texas down this path of vigilante justice. I understand the concern, but I strongly disagree because I am the king. He's he's talking <laughs> about how they should not. The Supreme Court should not allow this. How terrible it is that we shouldn't have this vigilante justice. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and do it in California. That's fine. So he says, let me be clear because he doesn't want to be confusing or unclear. The Supreme Court should never have opened the door in the first place. 
California opposed Texas's ploy at the Supreme Court, and I wish the court had agreed with us. But so long as this door is open to states, we're going to walk through it. Very principled person. To protect Californians and bolster our common sense gun laws that have come under attack. It's not taking the low road to seize an opportunity to keep people safe. It's not because we're just going to say it's not. Yeah. Like, look, yeah, you know, you gaslit me. And so I'm going to gaslight you because it's fair game now. What he, you can tell there's no real principle like on a constitutional basis. What he's upset about is the abortion part of the Texas law. He's not actually upset about whether or not it's constitutional or whether or not it's something that states should do to potentially take away constitutional rights from people. He's upset about what the law does or what it allows. And so he's perfectly willing to use it in California, which is a major risk of what Texas did. Which we, we talked about that. Yes. We read the article. In fact, he probably got this idea from that article anyway. Yep. Unlike the Texas law, my proposal would not chill a constitutional right. <laughs> so you see how he words this, right? I mean, this is, by the way, this is populist. <laughs> it, it totally is. It's a, um, it's an us versus them argument here. Look at how terrible they are. Look what all, all the good we're going to do with this terrible thing. The end does justify the means to King Newsome. No binding precedent has ever held that weapons of war or homemade ghost guns that evade basic regulation are constitutionally protected. Yep. So no, there's no, the Second Amendment doesn't exist. Yeah, his, what he's saying. his proposal would not chill a constitutional right. Yeah, exactly. Unlike Texas's, which does. Yeah. Because you can find... In the, the Constitution. The right to abortion to not be impeded. <laughs> we don't see anything in there about guns. the right about guns. It's not arms, in there. No. Yeah. You just see a list actually of guns that people aren't allowed to own mm. in the Constitution. Texas's yeah. law, on the other hand, blatantly flouts Roe v. Wade's fundamental protections because Roe v. Wade is a constitutional amendment. <laughs> it's Amendment um, 13. Yeah. By the way. The, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have read that one, but it starts out Roe v. Wade. How it starts. Maybe California's move will lead the court to change its mind about allowing Texas's bounty hunter scheme. If that's the case, women's reproductive care across our nation would be better off. If there's anything I've learned as a father of four kids is that I should have aborted one of them. <laughs> well, read what he says. That's why I highlighted it. Read what he says. Just, I can't tell what he's talking about here. Because <laughs> I should have aborted all of them. My life would be better. More productive, and I wouldn't waste so much money because they're so damn expensive. Um, if there's anything I've learned as a father of four kids, is it that sometimes you don't realize you've made a mistake <laughs> until you see the consequences of your action come true? What is he talking about? I don't know if he's talking those about the real, abortion law or the or the Texas. Those or are the real words there. The that precedent he, set. He said, and I'm quoting here from the article. If there's anything I've learned as a father of four kids, it is that sometimes you don't realize you've made a mistake until you see the consequences of your actions come true. <laughs> it's like, wow, well, I, I shouldn't have screwed my wife. <laughs> oh, man. I've impregnated my wife. <laughs> four kids is too many. I oh. think he's talking about seeing the consequences of a, of a mistake like letting this Texas law go through. <laughs> But it's really weird wording there from him. So <laughs> it's, I don't know. Well, you we'll leave it up to you guys to decide. Oh, 
as I've, if there's anything I've learned as a father of four kids is I, I don't want to be a father. I wish I wasn't a father. Of course, it's always possible the court could find some way to gerrymander its ruling to allow Texas to use this plan for abortions, but not California for assault weapons and ghost guns. I like these terms. Are so if they do amazing. find this, by the way, then this is just some kind of Supreme Court gerrymandering and hypocrisy. Like, it's not rooted in like the Constitution mm. or anything like that. That's that's not what it is. But if the court is going to be that hypocritical, then at least we will be shining a spotlight on how the branch of the federal government charged with upholding the rule of law is trampling it instead. There's value in that, too. The Texas decision is an abomination, and I'm proud to respond not with quiet uh, complicity, but with action to protect women's rights and keep our communities safer. So, I don't know. Make of that what you will, folks. He's still making the argument that... If they do, he's still making the argument the whole time that it's not constitutional, it's not right for Texas to be able to do what they're doing, that this is like some kind of terrible process, this vigilante justice that's came out. And he's still making the argument that he's going to do it for doing the assault weapons. So he does understand that. And he's saying that if even if the court does find that his is wrong, that we'll be shining the spotlight on how the branch of the federal government is trampling the law. At least he's still making are these all these arguments about how terrible and unconstitutional Texas's law and the way that they're going about doing it actually are, while also making the argument that he should be able to do it because he's going to save lives. Yeah. So, okay. Well, exactly. That's uh, that's one way of looking at it. Okay. The um, the next thing here is from Newsweek, and this has to do with the. I've in- got something interesting though about mm-hmm. how hypocritical our government is. Did you know there's upwards of like somewhere around 140 federal judges who have ruled on cases either for or against companies in uh, with positions that they hold in those companies? They really? They haven't. Rec- they never. Um, they haven't rec- recused themselves, or they didn't recuse themselves in these cases, even though they're ruling on a matter involving a company that they hold a position in. Well, that they technically own, by should, the way. We should just abolish companies. That's what the problem is. So when is. you when you own a comp when you own shares of stock, you own part of the company, mm-hmm. and now you can make a ruling. What if you own a part of that company's competitors, and you're making a ruling against the the company? Exactly to help yourself. Yeah, that's that's uh, tricky for sure. It's uh, it's very interesting, folks. This place that we live in <laughs> from Newsweek. It's all free and fair. Y'all better get scared. Get super worried about this. Millions of angry, armed Americans stand ready to seize power if Trump loses in 2024. And we don't even know for now, sure. They could that have written this article in 2016. Yeah. It says millions of angry Americans stand ready to cry if Hillary loses in 2016. Yeah. yeah. The Mike, difference is people on the right side of the aisle typically are heavily armed. Mike Nitznani, is what we'll call him, Nitznani, is a 73-year-old Vietnam veteran who walks with a cane from the combat wounds he received during his service. It won't slow him down when it's time to visit Washington, D.C., heavily armed and ready to do his part in overthrowing the U.S. government. Millions of federal... Now, this is a quote from 73-year-old Vietnam, Vietnam veteran, Nitznani. 
millions of fellow would-be insurrectionists will be there too. It's not, he says, a ticking time bomb targeting the Capitol. So by the way, their article headline is just taking from a quote from the 73-year-old guy that walks with a cane talking about how there's millions of heavily armed Americans that are going to overthrow the government. And it's fact. And then they take it, they put it as the article headline that millions of angry armed Americans are going to seize power if Trump loses. Yeah, like Daisy says, it says I'm going to change your words a little bit. Okay, boomer. Yeah. All right, boomer. So strike number one against Newsweek right there. you got a little bit of PTSD. There are lots of fully armed people wondering what's happening to this country, he says. Are we going to let Biden keep destroying it? Or do we need to get rid of him? Now, we'll say that that's probably not untrue. Although the ones that are willing to actually show up armed on the Capitol is probably not in the millions. No, no, it's not. And it's also what people need to realize is that, yes, Biden is doing a lot of bad things. But this is not just all of a sudden we went from great free America, constitutional, amazing freedom for everything America. And then all of a sudden Biden got in office and everything just fell apart and crumbled and all your rights are being taken away from you. This has been happening, 73-year-old Mike Nitsnani, throughout your entire life. And apparently now we've gotten to the point because of Biden where it needs to be stopped. What needs to happen is these things need to be stopped while, while they are growing. The government has to be stopped while it's growing, not once it gets really big. And so I get a little bit... Uh, not that nothing should be done about it, but I get a little bit upset when people talk about like how all of a sudden uh, Biden has just taken away all the things that made America great. You know, because Trump made America great. Now, now Biden's taken away all that stuff, of course. He is one of many Republicans who own guns and in recent months have talked openly of the need to take down a federal government they see as illegitimate, overreaching and corrosive to American freedom. The phenomenon goes well beyond the growth of militias, which have been a feature of American life at least since the Ku Klux Klan rose to power after the Civil War. I like how they they talk about the growth of militias and they say, well, this goes this goes back at least to the Ku Klux Klan. This goes at least back to them. It's not that uh, we had a lot of militias in the country to start with or anything like that, or like that's one of the things that led to the American Revolution going the way that it did. It actually started with white supremacists. That's where you can trace militias back to. Okay, so we got a few points here against Newsweek so far. What Nitsani represents is a much larger movement of ordinary people stoked by misinformation, knitted together by social media, and well-armed. Many Republicans believe that the federal government is an illegitimate tyranny that must be overthrown by any means necessary. That combustible formula raises the threat of armed, large-scale attacks around the 2024 presidential election. Attacks that could make the January 6th insurrection look like a toothless stunt by comparison. So I'm I'm getting real scared right now. According to the Constitution, Congress and the Supreme Court are supposed to settle the sorts of dueling claims, like uh, election claims, given the growing intensity and polarization of political life, would either side accept a decision that handed a contested 2024 election result to the other. Such a decision would more likely bring tens of millions of protesters and counter-protesters into the streets, especially around the U.S. Capitol and possibly many state capitals, plunging the country into chaos. We're going to have to get working on this. we got to quell this insurrection before it comes. And the Supreme Court ruling expected in mid-2022, if, if the Supreme Court ruling expected in mid-2022 establishes an unrestricted right to carry a gun anywhere in the country, 
bringing firearms to the Capitol in Washington, D.C. could be perfectly legal. The Supreme Court may be close to issuing issuing the ruling that leads to the overthrow of the U.S. government. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If armed violence erupts erupts the 2024 elections, quelling it could fall to the U.S. military, which may be reluctant to take arms against U.S. citizens. From the Republican point of view, peaceful elections will not save the day. They, they are only violence. They, all the Republicans understand this violence, mm-hmm. these Republicans. Yep. That's it. That's what we've seen. I, I mean, you saw January 6th. That's all they understand is violence. Yes. Evidence. Yeah, all the deaths and burning of the buildings yeah. and stuff. I mean. Yeah, evidence that a significant portion of Republicans are increasingly likely to resort to violence against the government and political opponents is, is growing. I mean, I thought Jan 6 was mostly peaceful, but who am it, I? You're a probably a Jan a J6 insurrectionist is what you are. I'm just basing that off the definition of mostly peaceful that I got from my friends. Yeah. Guns are, so you've been like kind of formed by misinformation though through all this. And you didn't know. You live in this alternate reality. No, I looked at the chart of truthful news organizations Mm. and those were reporting mostly peaceful. That's what I, that's what I, you know, adhered to. At least you're going to the experts on that. I just wanted to make sure that I had my mostly peaceful narrative correct. Guns are becoming an essential part of the equation. Americans are increasingly wielding guns in public spaces, roused by persons they politically oppose or public decisions with which they disagree. Guns were plentiful when hundreds of anti-COVID precaution protesters, (laughs) anti-COVID precaution protesters, gathered at the Michigan State Capitol in May 2020. And not a single shot was fired, by the way. But some of the armed protesters tried to enter the capitol chamber that's what you what i imagine right there someone walked up to the door and they pulled on it it was locked and they walked back over and started talking to their friend again like that's uh that's what happened right there one indication of how far republicans may be willing to go in violently opposing the government and there is their sanguine reaction to the january 6th insurrection at the u.s capitol the j6 insurrection at the u.s capitol republican it's an infamous day i know And you see, I just had a sanguine reaction to the J6 insurrection. I'm part of the problem. Republicans, by and large, see no problem with a mob of hundreds swarming and forcing their way into the seat of American government. Let me see the stat on that. (laughs) Republicans, by and large, see no problem with a mob of hundreds doing this. The right to own guns was... Even though we had several Republicans, prominent Republicans, come out and Mm -hmm. say that that was not okay. Yeah, a a lot of people. It did not like it, but there were fine people on both sides. The right to own guns was long a passionate cause of conservatives without ever posing much apparent threat to democracy, but that's changing fast. Now, the right to own guns now, is the problem. But here's the thing. Um, it, it, the reason, you have to ask the reason why guns are so important. Why is the right to bear arms so important? It's so people like this are scared. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's why. Well, because there may be an unfortunate time that they unfortunately need to be, I don't know if I can say this, used for protection. There may, people... For protection. Some people might decide that there may be a time in the future, possibly, that they could end up being necessary. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. You covered all of it. Yeah. Yeah. But not, you know, that's not what we're saying to do. We're just saying that some people 
have this feeling. Yeah. So that's why it's important. Enter the military. And the next article is going to be addressing this problem. Because here they have to have a final backstop. Well, the military has got to stop this violent insurrection that's apparently going to happen in 2024. If police can't or won't deal with an armed uprising, the last hope for a peaceful resolution would probably be the National Guard and military. The National Guard or military would almost certainly prevail in shutting down the worst of the violence and protecting the government. But two key questions arise. Would military leadership accept Biden's orders to deploy, to deploy against armed uprising? And if it did, would the rank and file follow their commander's orders to take up arms against fellow Americans whose motivations might resonate with many of their own? Oh, weird. Yeah. And this uh, segues perfectly into the next article. But I did want to say, so we were, we were live on January 6th when this was happening. It was uh, very interesting to watch. Pretty, uh, pretty crazy thing to watch happen live on TV. And we were very much in disagreement with the fact that it was happening. And I'll tell you why right now. Because there very well could be a time in history, and we might have even passed that, where something like this needed to happen or needs to happen. But if you don't do it for the right reason, then it's not really going to have the desired effect. For instance, if people had stormed the Capitol because they were upset about taxations and regulation and inflation without representation, then that would have been one thing. But storming the Capitol because of a perceived stolen election with really no hard evidence about the fact that it happened just ends up showing that you're really storming it on behalf of your dictator that you love uh, more so than you even love, say, the Constitution or the idea of America or anything like that. It's really about Trump and caring about him being the president for another four years, and then someone else is going to be the president after that, by the way. He's not going to be dictator forever. He's going to be president for another four years. And so what did you do to damage all of this uh, potential for a necessary uprising, the, what people might deem necessary uprising in the future, by jumping on it, jumping on that opportunity at a time when it really didn't make any sense. And what also everyone needs to realize, obviously a lot of libertarians listening to us right now, this is also how they will paint you, by the way. They need to realize that whatever, whenever libertarians decide that they are going to fight against the tyranny, You'll be painted the same way as these right-wing extremists who are probably just loyal to Trump or mad about the election or whatever it is, that this is exactly how, what they're going to do. You're going to be some kind of violent extremist, and that will be the case for the people who want the tyranny to continue. Anyone who is against them is going to be some kind of violent extremist, okay? And so now we're going to talk about what they're going to do in the military because, of course, their backstop is, well, the military could probably beat whoever it is it's going to be fighting because the militias don't have nuclear weapons. Okay, so that's why, obviously, Joe, that's what it's going to be. They don't have F-15s or nuclear weapons or anything like that. So they need the military to be able to do this. But now they're worried that the military might actually be in agreement with some of these people. <laughs> that they, the, mil the military, who was sworn an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States for the liberties of the people that they might act in that regard versus acting in a sworn oath to protect the U S government. 
which is what they now are supposed to protect, which is the U.S. government. They even said that in the article, talking about whether or not the, the U.S. Uh, would shutting down the worst of the violence and protecting the government, that that is their job, protecting the government. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're pretty worried about this. Anyhow. I just want to read you a little bit from the Declaration of Independence here. Not my words, yeah, but TJ's <clears throat> words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So unfortunately, I don't know, you know, those aren't my words. Not you. You didn't, you didn't say that. You're just reading what it was said. What what was said in the declaration? Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't codify that into a, a constitutional amendment, you know, so you don't have the right to do that. No. Although I guess the Ninth Amendment would cover that. Rights that aren't specifically mm-hmm. listed out, of course. Maybe the right to abolish your government. Pretty I don't sure know. The Declaration of Independence is the first United States law, I believe. And what's important is for people to understand that um, I don't want it to come to this. I don't think Charlie does either. When it, I don't think any of us should want it to come to this because your life during that, that actually happening, would probably be worse than it is right now. And so I really don't want it to come to that. But I do believe that the threat that it could come to that is, is important, that you have to have that threat that you are going to alter or abolish the government. And the government needs to have that in the back of their minds. Like, well, if we do this, people are going to rise up. Maybe if in Australia they thought that that was going to be the case. Well, if we put people in camps, they're going to rise up. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have made the decisions that they made over there, but they don't have that threat. There's been a lot of times throughout history that the governments didn't have that threat. And so I do think it's important. So while these people are going to get painted as extremists, these violent extremists, we do also have to admit that they are important also because the government does need that threat as it's going along it, mm-hmm. or it'll, it'll run even crazier than it is right now. And look, despite my pessimism today, deep down inside my dark, cold heart. I, I am a, a beacon of hopeful light. Yeah. And I don't like to see any death. And I don't want any type of uprising or anything like that. I, I believe that we can achieve what is necessary for liberty um, in diplomatic means. However, I just read the Declaration of Independence. And, you know, sometimes... In the course of human events, from time to time, there you may have to separate yourself from the political powers from which you have been so tied. It has to be an option on the table because if the uh, founders didn't have that option on the table, then we wouldn't be here which right they now. They didn't, by the way, talking about this. Yeah. So peaceful separation wasn't on the table. Yeah, but they they tried. They 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 sent their their letters back and forth for a while. And they eventually said, well, okay, yeah, it's not going to work. We're going to have to do this. And so they had to have it on the table. If they wouldn't have been willing to do what they did, then they wouldn't have been able to 
create the country. All right. So from the WAPO, the Pentagon updates rules to address extremism in the military. The Pentagon is updating its personal policies to address a concerning rise of extremism within the military and hold service members accountable for the views they express on social media, officials said Monday, which is perfect because instead of posting it on social media, they'll just post it on 4chan and then mm-hmm. dark channels and tell their friends and neighbors about it. The rules stem from revelations that the military personnel and veterans were among those who attacked the U.S. Capitol on Jan 6 upon taking office this year. <laughs> Weird. Um, The Pentagon is focusing on addressing actions and will rely in large part on individual service members or outside law enforcement agencies to report concerning behavior. Quote, liking something with the intent to promote or endorse extremist activity would be would be violative of the policy. The expectation, officials said, is that military personnel will expose their colleagues who run afoul of the rules. Which it, I mean, it's got to be like ninety percent of the military agrees. I, I would hope it. I would hope so. And that's one of the things that really bothered me about this whole idea is that you want people in the military who are what they what they want right now are people in the military who are just willing to protect the government, the president apparatus, the the president, follow orders, Congress, follow those orders, protect those people at all at all costs. What you what you actually should want are the people who want to protect and defend the Constitution and to make sure that the, sworn to the, do. the liberties of the people remain intact. And so you want your military made up of people who actually want to do that. But that's not what they want right now, because that gets in the way when you start taking all the liberties, liberties away from everyone. Yeah. Now get this. At least 55 military veterans were federally charged in the Jan 6 riot, raging from former privates who served for short periods to retired lieutenant colonels with full careers in uniform. Now, how many people stormed the Capitol? Like maybe 150. So literally like 30% were military veterans of those that they have arrested. I don't know if these people actually stormed the cap. Now, you know, they're talking about arresting anyone who did anything basically out there, you know, they're saying, let's go Brandon before let's go. Brandon got popular. Compounding the challenge is a lack of uh, continuity between the Pentagon and the Department of Veteran Affairs, which has no dedicated program to combat extremism among former military members and has resisted calls to establish one. Plus, it might be the terrible treatment that they're getting. Yeah. uh, According to the promises that were made. So what do you think extremism? What do you think they mean by that? What do you think they consider to be extremist? Any uh, words against the government? Yeah. Any, yeah. Anyone who's like explicitly just like very, right, very in favor of a constitution, probably. Right now, we're, we're extremists. This podcast is acting mm-hmm. extremely. And so, if you have a military member who's saying it's the right of the people to alter, it's the right and the, or, and the duty of the people to alter or abolish their government when it becomes destructive uh, of those ends or whatever it is that he said. That's extremist. I'm telling you, that's extremist behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this should really, really bother people if you end up cleaning out the military of anyone who thinks that that is okay, that the people do have that right, that their constitutional rights should be protected, or that, uh, that we all have individual liberties, stuff like that, that that ends up be- becoming extremist and you end up with only people in the military who won't speak out about that stuff. First off, still a bunch of them are going to 
think all of that. They'll just learn that they can't say it out loud. Oh, yeah. And so they'll think that they're fixing the problem. And then when they go to actually turn the guns on the people, they'll find that they didn't actually fix that problem. But I don't know. It's interesting to think whether or not the, the government would uh, would send in the troops to protect the government and whether or not those troops would actually do it, uh, whatever it is that they would have to do. It would I, only take a few to not comply. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think they probably would. And what's really important... I mean, but, who's not going to listen to a, a full bird colonel here? I know. You know? What's really important colonel. is that whatever happens, it doesn't need to be about the election or like on Jan 6, like it was this last time. We didn't have any clear facts, any clear data about whether or not the election was or was not stolen. You had a lot of people out there saying that it was, of course, Trump and all those other, all those others out there saying that it was stolen, but we they didn't said, really know. They said it was in 2016 too, by the way. I know, <laughs> but you know, Republicans have all the guns, so that's why the Democrats that's, didn't rise up in 2016. Even though we happen to see a lot of violent protests while Trump was in office, but they didn't turn against the government, so they, that's the, that's what matters here. Yeah. That they didn't use their violence against against the actual government; they used it against corporations and yeah. people. Just except, regular people. Maybe against Rand Paul and his wife. Well, yeah, but the ends justify the means when it comes to that. He's trying to take away our democracy, you exactly. know? So you got you to gotta favor that. So anyway. Um, Let us know how y'all feel about all this. I, I find it highly interesting. Yeah. And I'm getting my popcorn ready. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I started popping it right before the show started. And uh, I'm going to age it. So age popcorn. So it's nice and delicious. By the time all of this rolls around and uh, it'll be ready. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I am glad I live in a state that's decent on some constitutional protections. Not as good as others, but not as worse as some. That's one thing. I think we just said it yesterday. Um, we haven't had to worry about whether or not we were going to protest some crazy stuff in Tennessee, and that's one of the good things about living in a state that's like that, uh, is that um, the, the governor has been pretty good when it Although came to I, the COVID restrictions. I did restrictions. get mad in Tennessee pretty when they, when they uh, disallowed protesting COVID restrictions on the, the state capitol. Yeah. So that was pretty angering. COVID but, precautions yeah. is what the anti-COVID precautions is what the protests were going to be. The anti-science folks yeah. were but you know, the, the grassy knolls. <laughs> there was a... There was a time through there where I think I had to wear a mask for like a month, maybe. I ended up having to wear a mask. But other than that, it's just been pretty normal life throughout this whole time here in Tennessee. So that's been, that's been really good. And what I would recommend is, um, you know, look at a nice state like Tennessee. I want you all to come move next to us. Come yeah. hang out, okay? Come hang out with us and Ben Shapiro's and uh, Jordan Peterson, it sounds like. He seems to be hanging around Nashville yeah. a lot. So. A lot of people moving to Texas. Yeah. I gotta tell you, where where we're moving, there's a bunch of people from California. They all they're all real nice people that we've met so far. Everybody waves, everybody in the neighborhood, and kids running around. You know, everyone wearing masks. I guess nope, no, no? masks. Okay, yeah, all okay. the kids have toy guns. Did they try to tax you when nope. you saw them? Sure didn't. Huh. Mm-mm. Okay. They all seem really nice. They, I think they're leaving California for a reason. So. That's good. You want to get those people who don't bring all the bad policies with them. That's what people in Texas and Tennessee and Florida are really worried about, is that people are going to move, bring the bad policies. They have no idea why it is they're moving. They just know that they hate their life in California and New York. 
for some apparent reason, and they're going to move, and they're still going to vote for the terrible policies, and that's what people are upset about so or far, worried it about. Seem like that's the case, it, but I not guess yet. we'll find out. Not yet. All right, we got to go. Thank you all for hanging out. Yes, I, I appreciate everyone hanging out, despite my you know pessimistic outlook on life today. It's today. I get one day. Okay, I can have one day. That's fine. Where I'm upset at the world and life in general, and don't believe it should exist. <laughs> All right. I get one of those days. And then tomorrow's a new day where the sun will be shining a little bit longer. Nihilistic Charlie. And we can, you know, all reminisce about, or, or we can, you know, hopefully project about the glory days to come. That'd be great. Yes. All right. If you enjoyed today's show, like I know you did, then please smash that subscribe or follow button. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating on Spotify. Uh, subscribe to YouTube so that we can get those subscribers. We're so close on YouTube. And if just God, literally like 10 of y'all will just go and hit subscribe. It's absolutely ridiculous that I have to keep asking this, <laughs> I'm, you know, out of the thousands of you that are listening to this show, like you just need less than 1% of you yeah. to just go subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. So please go do that and uh, leave us, like I said, uh, share the show with a friend, a family member, your mom and the children. And if you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.